150,000 new businesses are created in Canada each year, but only emotional intelligence is a critical skill for leaders. How do I develop artificial intelligence will take over analytics, big data, trend analysis. needs to diversify its economy. But how do we do that? Create new opportunities for young innovators. Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Welcome to a special episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. Today, we're bringing you a panel discussion that was recorded in early May at the CPA Education Foundation's 2019 Conference for Academics. Themed Shaping the Future, this year's conference brought together accounting educators across the province to learn about and discuss the changing landscape that today's students and tomorrow's CPAs will work in. This special panel discussion featured employers from firms and industry sharing their insights on their recruitment process, necessary soft skills for future CPAs, trends in hiring CPA candidates, and what students should consider when researching potential employers. This discussion will be of particular value to anyone thinking of becoming a CPA or those involved in educating and training future CPAs, but it will also interest anyone who wants to know where the CPA profession is heading. Let's now go to the Conference for Academics employer panel. Going from the far left, um, uh, we've got Jeanette Blumentrath with, uh, she's Director of HR and Partnership Governance with Kingston Ross Pasnick in Edmonton. Welcome, Jeanette. Um, ne <laughs> Next is uh, Steve Fedorchuk. He's Executive Director, People and Culture with the Office of the Auditor General of Alberta. He works in Edmonton and Calgary. Next, we have Cynthia Kumar, who's Supervisor of Internal Audit with the ATCO Group, and uh, she's also ATCO's CPA Program Manager. Welcome, Cynthia. <laughs> and then closest to me is Selena DeRamsey. She's Senior Manager of Campus Talent Acquisition with PwC Canada. Welcome, Selena. So I'll say their names a lot uh, for the purposes of the podcast recording and those who'll be listening to the audio. So I'll start with uh, Selena, who's uh, at this end. Um, we've heard a lot about soft skills today, and um, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. It might not mean the same thing to everyone, but um, at PwC, Selena, what are the soft skills you think are the most important for new grads to have when they're setting out to find a CPA training position? For sure. So from a PwC perspective, we think of uh, soft skills as dimensions. So we have a framework called the PwC Professional Framework. And what I think is really cool about it is uh, it's a global framework. So that means all PwC territories all around the world are recruiting and developing their people based off of these dimensions. Uh, so there are five. The first is global acumen. The second is relationships technical, business acumen, and then whole leadership. So appreciate some of those are soft skills and others are not. But really, these are the dimensions that we see as core to somebody that we would be hiring into the PwC family. I will say that uh, when we think back uh, a few years ago, probably the person sitting in this seat, if they were from PwC, would have said those exact same dimensions, which is great. But I also think we need to think of how we're evolving as a firm. And some of the presentations we had earlier today speak to that a lot. Uh, so instead of students asking, you know, what am I doing? We expect them to start asking, why am I doing it? If a bot is uh, essentially doing some of the more junior level work, it's even more important that at an entry level stage, they have that 
analytical mindset, that curiosity to learn, and uh, the fundamental uh, belief in themselves that they can apply their judgment even earlier on than maybe we would have expected them to uh, five years ago. Um, thanks. Um, Cynthia from ATCO, do you want to jump in on this question from an industry perspective? Mm -hmm. I actually wrote down some notes. Um, there's a lot of similarities when we're recruiting for a firm or an industry, and Selena and I was ta were talking about this before, like having that curiosity and the analytical mindset. But there's also, when you come into industry, because we don't have those set up training programs the same way you would in a firm, and we don't force you through a training in your first year, second year, and third year. There's a lot of um, expectations that come with that. For example, maturity. So the ability to actually like speak out, speak for yourself, be a problem solver, meaning you can think on your feet. If you're the only one in the department and then all of a sudden somebody comes and they have a question, you are the face of the, you're the representative and you need to be able to be the representative or let them know, I don't know the answer to that question, I'm gonna get back to you. You know, whereas at a firm in the, the setting that you're at a client, you're gonna have a team around you who's gonna be able to help you out um, quicker. So that's one, a, a big difference. Um, you do really need to have some forward thinking ability in terms of the processes, cradle to grave, on your own and that is an expectation because if you can't show us your thought process from the interview stage, it's um, we really want to set you up for success, but we need to know that you have those sort of like minimum ability to think and ability to problem solve on your own and, and the ability to know when to ask questions will help you, but um, there's a little bit of that uh, EQ, if you will, that you do need to have. Um, the environment in industry may not be as supportive from a learning perspective um, because you may not be working with uh, accountants who are designated. You may just be working with people who have a lot of industry experience. They've been in their job for a long time. So suddenly you have uh, different personalities. At a firm, you're going to have more of a homogeneous environment and in industry, you're going to have more of a, a heterogeneous environment that you have to um, try to understand and, and work with them and understand that the people that you're working with may not understand your program because they may not have gone through it and, and it may not be relevant to them to help you with your work objectives or your school objectives. Um, thanks, Cynthia. Just following up on one thing you kind of uh, spoke about. So At ATCO has a number of experience verification candidates, but you're also building and growing a CPA pre-approved program route as well, uh, that training route in ATCO. Have you noticed any differences in student experience between the two training routes? Mm -hmm, definitely. So in our pre-approved program route, which is our pre-approved uh, tr uh, training office, if, if you will, um, you have to apply and you have to be selected. And, we, and it's very competitive. It's also a rotational program. So when we hire for that, we have to ensure that those people have the ability that they can work with multiple types of people and, in multiple, and they can kind of roll with it, be more agile. Um, the people that we hire, they tend to be more versatile, more career focused, more driven. They know what they're looking for and what they can get out of the rotational program. Um, in terms of the demographics, I'm going to talk about the PPR and EVR together because we don't uh, discriminate based on who we're looking for there. In the EVR though, experience verification route, we do notice that the demographics are different. Sometimes these people, they're older, they may have a designation in a different country. Um, they may self-select, you know, that they've been working in this role for, for 10 or 15 years and decide they do want to get a designation. Um, other times they might just be out of school for a few years and decide that I didn't know about this designation really when I graduated, but I am interested in it now. So we want to support those people as well. Um, I do notice that some of them are more focused because they know what they want to do now. Um, 
and they're happy to earn their competencies in one role. Whereas the rotational students who are in the PPR, they're really craving that opportunity to be able to do rotations and to try different things. In terms of demographics, yes, we do notice some differences, but in terms of, you know, uh, I'm gonna be a CPA and what I can get out of it, it tends to like come closer to being the same because they are going through the same educational process. They are going, they're writing the same CFE, so there's gonna be some things that are similar at the outcome. I just a really quick follow-up. So those uh, experience verification with people you say are generally older, maybe been in the workforce for a few years. Are they coming from ATCO, like within ATCO, or are they coming from outside to? So interesting, you should ask. So a lot of them are actually coming from within ATCO. Our PPR has been so successful that people are, you know, hey, I want to be in that, or, you know, they're asking about it. And suddenly we're getting a lot of people putting their hands up who are, um, They've heard about it and they want to be part of it, but we're also getting direct hires from uh, industry who have already started the EVR on their own, but they've gotten stuck. There's nowhere else for them to get the competencies in their current job, and then they come looking for another opportunity at ACO. Great, thank you. So Steve, you're with the Office of the Auditor General, so you're kind of representing the public sector employer um, uh, side of things here today. Um, do, you, do you think that uh, from your background and experience that public sector employers um, look for certain characteristics in students that might differ from what the other types of employers are looking for? And what do you think are the most important skills and attributes that your office looks for in candidates? Thanks. Um, the public sector, it, it's a big, diverse beast. So I'll just preface it. I don't know if I can speak for all of government, um, but there are diverse, um, wide opportunities within government. So I think, like the private sector, we're looking for young, well-trained professionals to, to grow and choose and to build a career that they can take uh, through government. Um, you know, I suppose there's probably some nuances between ministries, however. Um, so, for example, if you were going to pursue a career in health versus environment or treasury and finance, for example. Um, now, I know the nuances for ourselves as a CPA training office uh, at the Auditor General um, we're legislative auditors. So for us, our specific niches, we want people that have a passion, an interest, a talent, just not in audit, but in that specialty of legislative audit. So we serve Albertans, we serve the Legislative Assembly, and we hold government to account. Um, so financial statement audits for sure, performance uh, audits for sure as well. Um, but I think where I would really say maybe we stand out maybe different than private sector is some of the nuances of what we look for, even within competencies. So we've talked a lot about competencies today and I'll use communication as one example. So communication is very broad, but we will target right in on a couple elements of it. Like people have to be excellent listeners and really good critical thinkers to ask those intelligent questions in the context of what we do. Um, the ability to synthesize and translate is huge. Take uh, large quantities of information, complex information, and be able to condense it down and then translate it out in a way that the user, whatever that stakeholder is, um, can understand it. And then I suppose one learning for us actually in the last couple of years is related to our mission. So our mission is to make a difference in the lives of Albertans by having our work acted upon. And I think one of the things that when we look within our own ranks, who is really thriving and succeeding in that environment, um, and it was a bit of a surprise for us at first, is uh, those that are really purpose-driven, want to be part of a, a, a bigger mission, 
Um, perhaps these are people that are a little more service oriented. Um, they have a volunteer element through their lives or um, previous careers. And the previous career piece is a really important thing as well too. And it's opened us up to who we bring in the organization. We find some of the most successful people, um, you know, accounting, auditing might be their second or third career. Uh, and, and maybe they were actually employed in the health industry and then they go back to school and they get these designations and then they can bring that life experience and that actual um, experience in that industry or just as an Albertan, a consumer of products from government. Um, so that's how I would give direction on that. Interesting, yeah. Um, thanks, Steve. So Jeanette from uh, KRP, a mid-sized firm. Um, what does a firm like yours look for when you hire CPA candidates? And um, what characteristics, if any, do your student hires have in common that you've noticed? Thank you, Gordon. Um, to compliment uh, Selena and Cynthia and Stephen, you know, we're looking for that all-rounded candidate. Uh, you know, they're all going to come from the post-secondaries that have that foundation. Uh, the, they met all the criteria with CPA. They're demonstrating professionalism, if it's good communication skills, if it's um, de delivering that great first impression, um, business etiquette. They're showing the desire and the passion to be in accounting for a certain reason. It's not because mom and dad said so. They have to have that intrinsic value of being there for a reason because it's a tough program. And business is first at KRP. It's not academics. They're not coming to KRP just to focus on studies. They have to wor work a full-time job and then some. And then studies are on their own. Um, you know, we have all of the um, generations in the workplace. We have 80-year-olds up to 18-year-olds. So the biggest demographics at KRP are the millennials. Uh, they're learning fast, uh, a lot of technology at their fingertips, but we need them to be resourceful. We need them to have the emotional intelligence, being self-aware, self-managed, um, and taking charge. You know, I was meeting some of you educators over the past few days, and some students are engaged or they're not engaged. They have to be engaged at KRP to be successful and be those business leaders of tomorrow. So how do you assess things like emotional intelligence and those kinds of, I don't know, you know, uh, non-quantitative uh, kinds of things? Um, you know, funny you should ask about that. And so as the students complete files, they get immediate feedback. So they have file-to-file -file feedbacks that are in different uh, areas of criteria. So if it's technical ability, professionalism with, with decision-making, self-management, time management, uh, self-awareness, teamwork. So all of that is assessed behind the scenes of how they're delivering uh, the deliverables on the file. Um, and then at the end um, of that specific file, if you know they have less queries, then they move on to the next file or a complicated file, or they move into different specialty areas. So they continue to progress file to file. And, you know, they just start to evolve as a solid professional at the end of the day. Great, thanks. So back to you, Selena. Um, so I've heard that uh, PwC has gone to an automated hiring process. Are we talking about robots here? I want to know that first. And, um, but how does that work? And um, what kind of feedback are you getting about it? 
For sure. So um, I'll give you a little bit of the history and um, fundamentally, fundamentally what our process is today and what we've learned uh, throughout the journey. So we've had this process since fall of 2017. Uh, but before that, we all uh, as a leadership team got together and said, if we were to reimagine how recruitment was to be done, what would we want to do differently? And there were a few key themes that came out of that discussion. Uh, the first of which was hiring on potential. So there's a lot of bias in recruitment and we really wanted to take a step back and think about how could we design a process that ultimately is looking at someone's potential more than their GPA or whether they were the president of the accounting club. Uh, the second major guiding principle we had was to be technology enabled and empowered. So all of the presentations today, you know, there's been this common thread of technology and, and the new wave and we very much wanted to be uh, a part of that and, and leading the way. Um, the third major theme was Gen Z. So millennials uh, for campus recruitment are dead to us. Uh, we are now moving on to Gen Z. So uh, it's been interesting to reflect on what are the needs of that generation? What are they looking for? How are they different or similar to the millennials that came before them? And then I would say the fourth major theme was how do we ensure that anything we do with our campus recruitment function is aligned to what PwC is doing globally and also ties back to that leadership framework that I was mentioning earlier. So those were the guiding principles that came out of the discussion and the output of that was the 2017 uh, recruitment process. And essentially there's a few steps. So the first step is a student goes online, they submit an application and uh, they upload their resume and uh, their transcript. Uh, there's no cover letter uh, if you're applying to PwC. Um, and we actually don't look at a student's transcript uh, in the same way as other employers may. So we only ask that students self-declare that they would meet the minimum requirements to be able to enter PEP and essentially have uh, their CPA journey continue um, should they join uh, PwC. So we're actually not looking at the transcript in any other way other than that one minimum uh, benchmark that is required. Following that, um, all students are um, auto-advanced to online assessments. So there's three of them. The first is a logical reasoning assessment. Uh, it's a 20-minute assessment. It's multiple choice. Um, and students are you know, asked to um, work through that to the best of their abilities. It's not about perfection here. It's more or less just getting a sense of how they look at patterns and how they um, are able to absorb data and come, come to the table with what they um, would see as uh, the next logical response. We also ask them to do a numerical reasoning test, also 20 minutes, also multiple choice, uh, looking at some of those basic requirements in order to be a, a CPA. And uh, thirdly is a work style preferences uh, questionnaire. So similar to what Jeanette was saying, we're looking at someone's purpose, their values, what motivates them, what gets them up in the morning. So there's no right or wrong answer here, it just helps us better understand the candidate. Uh, from there, the students then move on to a video interview. So this has really opened up the funnel of candidates that we can in quotation marks, C. Uh, so previously we had lots of candidates that would come to us and say, if only I could get to the interview stage, um, you know, I would be able to communicate um, to you why I would be a good fit for PwC. Um, there's only so much we can do with that, right? We hire thousands of students a year, but we were trying to give more students that opportunity to get to that step. So with a video interview, it's 10 minutes. We're able to see six times as many students. Uh, so where the previous students were doing a 60-minute manager interview. Now we're able to see six 10-minute videos. Um, and then following that, uh, those with the best video interviews uh, move on to a live interview with a partner. So it's a pretty different process, and it's actually pretty exciting too. We've had a chance to reimagine the whole way we work, um, and we've learned a lot along the way. So over the past year, um, some of the learnings have been we received about a consistent number of applications. We thought, hmm, I wonder if we you know, navigate from the traditional, will less students apply? Not really, it was exactly the same amount. 
Uh, we also were able to um, get a lot of feedback from students on what they liked about the process, and most of them really appreciated that it was more convenient. They didn't have to go somewhere to do the online assessments. They didn't have to um, meet a, a manager in person. They could do the on-demand video from their cell phone, from the soccer field, from their house, from anywhere they, they really could find a strong internet connection. Um, we were there. And um, thirdly, and what I'm most proud about, is we saw a way um, way better increase in diversity in the candidates that we were hiring. So what has traditionally been maybe a process that had a lot of bias, you know, when you're looking at someone's resume, I think we all kind of have biases, whether it's, um, you know, is the person a varsity athlete? Is the person the president of the accounting club? What school do they go to? What was that GPA number? Um, but the way our process works is uh, we actually don't look at that at all until the live stage. So it's an equal opportunity for students from all schools, all backgrounds, um, and really based off of how they do on those online assessments and that video interview. We know nothing about them at that point point in time. Um, the decisions are made as to who's coming to a live interview and that's when we pull their resume. Um, so it's really opened up the candidates uh, that PwC is hiring. Uh, makes me pretty proud to be um, part of a firm that is so committed to diversity and inclusion. And we've also been able to reflect on are those schools that we thought um, were giving us you know, the best talent, are they still on par when we, when we look at it a different way? Um, and some schools that maybe we weren't spending as much time with, we're spending more time with now. Maybe they're a little bit smaller, um, but they still are yielding amazing candidates based off of our, our online assessment process. So I just want to shift gears a bit. We've talked about what employers are looking for in students <clears throat> or candidates. Um, maybe we can shift to what candidates should look for when they're select, or prospective candidates should look for when they select employers. So um, I'll start with Steve, but then I'll throw it open to other panel members. Um, Steve, what advice would you give students about what they should um, be considering when researching prospective employers? I think this is a very important question because um, I'd start by saying look at the big picture and things that you typically wouldn't look at as a student and maybe take your clues um, from people that have been working longer in the workplace and why are they choosing to leave one employer and go to another. Um, so I'd Put a bit of a list together and I suppose some of it might even resonate with those in the room because these are the things that would cause you to be dissatisfied with where you've been at or where you've gone to and those types of things and it might be things that um, don't come up first on the list like uh, like I remember back when I was a student it was like okay how much are you paying me and what are the perks and swag with it and and you know the, the name behind where I'm going to work, right? Um, I would answer that a little differently now late in life. I, you know, I want to work for an organization that has a, a purpose that resonates with me. Uh, it's got a great culture and their values align with my values. And to me, that's the number one thing. And just not what an organization says their values are, but what can you find in evidence that supports the talk with uh, WALK. Um, employee experience and engagement, health and wellness, fun. This is going to be a fun place to work. I'm spending a lot of time there. I better, you know, enjoy my time there. Um, and I'd, I'd also say work and lifestyle fulfillment, which is different than work lifestyle balance, because um, there's a time and a place to put in a lot of hours in your job and your career, and there's a time and a place where you're going to need to draw down on that bank of goodwill to take that like time for family and other things that are important. You want an organization that recognizes that and uh, also supports it. Um, flexibility, innovation, diversity, that's so important in the environment when we talk about disruption and change and technology. Um, so you want an organization that really espouses that and is going to lean into it versus uh, be fearful of it. Um, I would say uh, you want GPN, you want a good people network. 
So the people that you're engaging with in your organization, and in particular, the people you'll be reporting to and colleagues you'll be working with, they gotta be part of your good people network. And, and you know what that's like. Like you'll, you'll go out for coffee or you'll be with friends and within 30 or 60 seconds, you say, these are my people. I, I like these people. Like you, you want that in there as well too. And then I would say, um, you, you know, the learning and development opportunities, exposure to great experiences and things that you might otherwise not get. And then last on the list, I would get to compensation, but um, look at the total compensation. So you wanna look at things like benefits and pension, but I'd say even more importantly, time, because time is a, a commodity that um, exceeds the value of money. So um, flexibility in the time, um, time off, how you, how you can bank it. And quite frankly, um, you know, the uncompensated time expectations that there are, because there are some wide differences, I'm just plugging public service right now, um, between the uh, sacrifice you make in private sector versus mm. public sector. Cynthia, I noticed you're taking notes there. Do you, do you want to jump in and add to what Steve had to say? Um, so culture and fit were definitely ones that I, I had. Um, we have a, a program that sets you up to go through the program within 30 months. This is the, the pre-approved program that I'm talking about. And um, so generally between 30 and 36 months, you exit that pro program, but you have a two-year repayment. So that means you're on the hook for essentially five years. So you, please like where you're going to work because it is a very diverse uh, place. So I really echo what um, I really... A lot of what Steve said really resonating with me because we have a lot of that at ACO and I'm very proud to have a shameless plug here. It's a very family oriented culture and it's a great place to work, but you're always gonna get, you're always gonna hit that one person that doesn't quite fit with you, but that's okay because that's, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, you don't get to choose your colleagues, but then you move on to the next thing and that's what's, what's so great about it. Just know that there's opportunity beyond that. You're just gonna, you're here for a reason, you're gonna learn and then you're gonna move on. Yeah, interesting. Jeanette, anything to add? You know, just to, to, I guess, bring it all together, there's something for all of the students. If it's public practice, industry, um, government, the doors are open now. And, and the same for the students. Before it was U of A that was just producing students that could uh, become a designated CPA. Now with all of those changes from 2013, the unification, all of the post-secondaries now that give the students an opportunity, they want a smaller um, institute. If they want a larger institute, um, where they're going to get the support, the mentorship, they have to take charge, be informed of where they want to go, what they want to do, because there's something for everybody. Um, and then when they're committing, they're committing as an adult. No one else is holding their hand. They're going to drive their success. And CPA is there for them. The employers are there from, for them for the experience route or pre-approved route. They have choices now. And, you know, once they commit, hopefully they're committed all in to become the leader of tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks. Selena, anything you want to add on that one? I think these are all really good points. I would say, you know, uh, as a student, I, I was a CEA articling student. I remember I was, when I was making the decision, I was looking for a place that was going to invest in my career growth. Um, so at the beginning stages of going through the program, it's really important that you have good mentors, good coaching culture. At PwC, we have something called EWP, Enhanced Working Practices. Uh, and we, you know, all remind each other that we're teaching and not telling, right? Are we teaching somebody how to do something or are we telling them how to do something? Because there's a massive difference. So ask those hard questions. You know, are there opportunities for me to shadow somebody? Are there opportunities for me to calibrate after the end of a large project? 
project and have a lessons learned discussion about what went well, what would we do differently? You know, we're learning every day. Um, you know, find an employer that's going to invest in uh, your success and also be there um, for some of those more challenging mistakes that everyone inevitably will make, that you want somebody in your corner when you're looking for an employer. Well, thanks everyone for your answers on that. We'll come back to this subject a bit later. Um, but we heard a lot about change today in the profession and uh, in the workplace. And so I was wondering, Jeanette, uh, you've been in recruiting for a few years that I'm, I'm aware of. Um, mm -hmm. So for you and KRP, um, what has changed in terms of what you look for in CPA candidates from, from when you started in this role? Sure. So I've been with KRP over nine years. And I, I saw a lot of change. If it was the unification 2013, and then you know the various uh, universities and colleges that were producing the students. Uh, there's options, as I previously shared. Um, you know, we see with the the demographics, the diversity, uh, individuals. You know, new Canadians coming into the workforce. You know, there's a lot of uh, different, um, I guess, opportunities for change from the employers, from the candidates, from the programs. You know, I came aboard with the CCA program, and then we had to change with the CPA program. What does that look like? We had to develop new training teams and competency models and performance models, and then look for these candidates that were mirroring to come into the uh, profession as a student to qualify. Um, you know, we started looking at growth mindset versus fixed mindset. You know, you just don't have the academics to get in and then you can just produce and get through the program, become designated and then move on. You know, there's more to it. Again, you know, as Mark was discussing at the U of A, the MAC program, the decision making, the negotiation, uh, you know, how the profession and practice is going to change of, you know, advisory services besides just doing all of the tech, tech technical behind the scenes, um, you know, you know, all the discussions this morning with the data analytics and the AI, you know, um, the profession is still going to be and, and the humans are still going to be needed. But again, just that position is going to change and how are we evolving our training for those students coming aboard of the foundation you're providing and how we can grow them up as the professionals tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that's a kind of common set of threads that we'd hear from all kinds of employers these uh, these days for sure. Um, Cynthia, I just want to talk a bit about ATCO. So it's like it's this huge company with uh, all kinds of divisions and offices everywhere and hundreds and, I don't know, thousands of employees, I think. Um, so how does ATCO, on a year yearly basis, determine what types of candidates you're going to look for and where you're going to place them and that kind of thing? Okay. So again, I'm speaking about the PPR. So I want to distinguish, we have EVR candidates that we support. We don't have EVR positions at ACO. So what that means is that um, EVR candidates at ACO kind of self-select. So they decide that, okay, I'm going to be an EVR. And then we say, okay, how can we help you? Um, PPR, as I explained earlier, that's more competitive. You have to apply, you have to get in. So for those positions, and we have 14 of them, but I think we have 18 in the program. Don't tell my boss. Anyway, our um, process, it, it, it takes a little bit of work. So we start by consulting all the business areas that they're going to be 
uh, working with, so where all the rotations are. And sometimes we'll have new ones and we'll phase some, some out depending on how the business is changing. We've gone through a lot of transformation in the last three years, so I've had my work cut out for me. So some areas may need someone with certain work experience that we might be looking for, a certain personality or attitude, because we're very customer focused as finance and accounting professionals. That drives the who we need. So that might be, they might say that I want a mature candidate for this role. So then I go out to market and when I'm looking, I'm looking for, I might be looking for that, you know, 40 to 50 age range. That might fit. You know, I might be looking for somebody um, who's young. I might be, it, it, it really is like a whole um, host of things, but we don't discriminate based on background. We, we, we invite everybody to, to apply. Um, so they could be right out of school, they could be working in the workforce for a while, they could be ESL, um, you know, they could be here on a work visa, like we've had a number of those people as well, new parents, like we'll work with you. So that gives me my, who do I need, what am I looking for, what types of roles, you know, what kind of supervisor am I working with, somebody who really wants to mentor or somebody who really wants to be hands off, like I have to take that into consideration as well to set those candidates up for success. Um, if they meet the criteria to be advanced to an interview, the interview process is a behavioral component with some technical questions woven in, such as, you know, do you know the difference between, can you explain the difference between deferred revenue and revenue? Can you explain to me, you know, if I purchase a, an asset and I put it into use, like what happens to that over the life of the asset? So asking those kind of questions, can they solve that? Or what's their thought process to, to solve that question? Um, and then we move them to a case interview, which is a more short answer, but then looking for how do they communicate, you know, on written, but also what's their thought process for solving that and responding to the, to the problem. Um, looking more there, like, did they re recognize the pervasive issue? Um, do they, you know, can they, do they have a little bit of professional judgment? We don't expect them to have all the answers. We just expect them to have some thought process. Um, in the interview, we also look for, is the person genuine? Are they personable? Can they establish relationships? You know, are they going to need a lot of help with that? Um, do they have the ability to connect, you know, maybe with senior management if they come to ask them a question? And then also, can they deal with criticism and coaching? Because you're going to get criticism, you're going to get coaching, you know? So dealing with the reality of, the, of a fast-paced workplace um, they all have an assigned mentor, so that we know that they have someone that they can go to and, and talk to if they need to, especially if they want to work something out. Maybe they aren't comfortable going to their supervisor, so we have that in place as well. Um, so essentially, the, the candidates, um, it's a variety. It's not a one-size-fits-all, really, is what I'm, what I'm trying to get to. So the way that the um, CPA program now has changed and evolved, it's really opened it up to a a lot of walks of life that maybe we wouldn't have had the opportunity before. So we welcome those people to apply to our positions as well. Thanks. Uh, so Cynthia, in that answer there, you touched on something that I think that might be a bit confusing to a lot of students, um, which is that difference between the PPR and the EVR. Like, so you don't, EVR students don't compete for positions at ATCO. Is that what you said? In the PPRs, uh, positions are kind of set. You know, we are approved by CPA Alberta what we're allowed to offer based on the competencies maps that we have. So there, and those are regulated. You know, we have uh, training office uh, practice reviews um, every three years. 
and we have to ensure that the students are meeting the competencies as they're kind of laid out in the in the maps you know according to the autonomy uh, complexity and circumstance that's laid out in the maps so those they they kind of have something that they have to follow in that set on the EVR side the experience verification side um, sometimes we have this is such a variety mixed bag of people like sometimes they're coming from different organizations where they've started the EVR program but then they've hit a wall and they can't get any more competencies so they need a different type of experience so those competencies are driven by that general competency map that you all know so that is and it's up to them to do all the self-reporting to CPL Alberta and then that gets assessed by the practical experience team and then they say yay or nay whether or not that person has gotten the competency. So our role when it comes to that, anybody can be in the EVR program if they've met the requirements to get in. We as an organization can't tell them yes or no. We can choose to support them financially or not if we see that they're somebody who's going to be successful and that they're, um, you know, I hate the word high performer. I, I think of it more of like, I, I would, all these people, because they're all good contributors, you know, so, um, and they really do want to contribute. So if they're interested in it and their supervisor that they're reporting to and their, you know, manager director is good with it, then we support them financially. And now what I'm trying to do at ACCO is I'm trying to provide support for these experience verification candidates because they're really on their own. Um, in the PPR, we have a lot of resources, a lot of support, a lot of mentorship, coaching, CV preparation program. Whereas in the EVR, because a lot of these people kind of self-select themselves into the CPA program, I may not be aware that they are out there. So unless someone tells me that they're out there, I can't support them. So it's a little bit harder. Um, I have seen some companies who actually advertise that they do have EVR-specific positions. And uh, largely that's because they don't necessarily want to go the pre-approved program route because they may not be able to um, offer all the competencies or they may not want to... Um, support uh, people through rotations or they may not have the ability to do that in-house so there's a number it, it's not simple like there's a number of different factors that all goes into that well yeah, that's really yeah. valuable information from an employer perspective because um, I think a lot of students we get a lot of questions from uh, students about about the differences and how it works and and that kind of thing so thanks for that Cynthia um, this is a question for everyone on the panel uh, do you think your organization will be hiring more candidates in the near future or fewer candidates or what are you thinking? Let, let's start with Steve. Um, we'll be hiring more. Um, it's bread and butter, it's a staple, we're a CPA training office. Um, we, to, to grow and develop legislative auditors, we have to train from within. Um, and I, I think it, it's tricky because the demand just in general is going up. And I think the supply of, of candidates are going down. So, hmm. yeah, interesting. That's good news. It's yeah, it's a <laughs> buyer's market for students. That's for sure. Anybody else want to jump in on that one? Here, P, we have over the past uh, couple of years with the economic downturn, our numbers went maybe to eight to 10. Now our numbers are increasing 10 to 15 to 20 per year. Right now we have uh, 50 active students on board at various levels within the program, which is really exciting. And we're also starting to build up our technician pool. So those folks that are getting the accounting diploma that are going through the ACAF, a route, we have space for everyone. So we have mature candidates, new Canadians. Um, there's something for everybody getting into the tax groups, getting into the US international groups, um, or the small business groups. You don't have to 
um, have that final designation and become partner at the end of the day. There's something for everyone. So it's really exciting times at KRP. Excellent. And what about at the big firm like PwC? Really good question. So I would say I'd say a few things. Uh, I think today's conference has been, you know, very in line with you know what we're looking for when we're thinking about talent at PwC. So we're looking for those skills, not only of the bread and butter CPA, but some of those new new skills, right? The the ability to understand technologies, the Internet of Things, uh, the bots, right? Being able to code, etc. So I think of campus recruitment because my portfolio isn't just CPA; it's also consulting and tech as one contingent. So we're looking at all associate level hiring and how do we meet the needs of you know our more traditional um, routes like audit for example but also some of our new areas like hiring into workdays uh, Salesforce SAP cybersecurity RAS technology um, fundamentally I think the CPA hiring numbers it'll very much come down to well what is a CPA student and what training have they received you know from the schools from the institutes from their extracurricular activities and how do they kind of match up to uh, students that are maybe like engineers engineers or math students that are bringing some of those uh, maybe more technical um, capabilities to the table. Um, so I think I think it'll very much depend on how the CPA continues to evolve. We will always hire CPAs. I don't think the numbers will go down, but I think if we're able to upskill what a CPA is, we can continue to see those numbers rise. Um, I'll also say from a PwC perspective, we're really trying to work hard to find different routes within the firm to get your CPA. So for example, uh, we have a deals pre-approved program. So we had lots of students who said, you know, I'd love to be a CPA, but I really love deals. Like I love finance. I don't want to give that up. So we've worked really hard with the Institute to be able to create some of these other pathways, um, which will also help to see the number of CPA numbers rise, right? Because we're tapping into students that otherwise may have chosen to go into finance or uh, chosen to go into banking uh, instead of coming to a firm. Interest. Hmm. Well, good to hear. I mean, we need to know stuff like that for sure. So, Cynthia, what about in industry? Um, so, I just want to add on to the. That's amazing that deals did that. But good for them. So, it. Um, I want to add like an in industry at ACO, for example. We have uh, rotations between um, internal audit, internal controls, financial reporting, financial planning and analysis, uh, which are more like your cost accounting, uh, taxation, and treasury. So there's lots of opportunities. Doesn't mean that we're going to offer every single one of those rotations if we don't have the right fit, but, it mean, but the opportunity is still there. Great. Thanks, uh, all of you, for those answers. I'm going to ask one more question for all of you. What advice would you give to accounting educators who might be in the room um, for how to best prepare their students for a CPA candidate position in your organization? Um, Jeanette, do you want to start? You know, I would just highly recommend that uh, if they're pursuing their CPA, you know, they get out, get informed. CPA puts on a number of great events. Uh, the firms, uh, there's a big list of potential training offices if it's public practice, government, industry. Go to the CPA website. Uh, find out who they are. There's different events. There's uh, different opportunities, open houses. Get informed. Take charge again. So then they know what their options are. Um, and again, highlight you know, those soft skills. If it's being resourceful, analytic, critical thinking, uh, team efforts, um, 
you know, just uh, communication skills, interpersonal skills. It's more than the technical. They have the technical, obviously, to meet the CPA requirements, but it's that thereafter of where they will be that advisory uh, professional, uh, working with the clients, delivering services, delivering value. So whatever you're teaching behind the scenes, that all matters. So if those students are engaged or not engaged, it's up to them of how they're going to shine out thereafter. Can they, you know, apply a letter, you know, after the technical to describe that to a client? You know, if they're just not going to hand over the financial statements or, you know, put in numbers into tax prep of incomes or, let's say, pension splitting or income splitting. How do you um, describe that in a letter form that is in layman terms? You have to be that professional. That's something that, you know, AI can't do. That's where the professionals and the human judgment will come in. So, you know, what you're doing now is fantastic, but it will matter and it does tie to our world. Excellent. Um, thanks. Anybody else want to add a quick tip or two? Sure, I'll jump in. Um, on the technical side, you know, just ensure there's adequate exposure to public service, knowledge and accounting standards, maybe nonprofits uh, as well. And then uh, perhaps to have your organization differentiated in the eyes of employers, um, you know, I'd say a couple things that will get you above table stakes and really differentiate. One of those would be um, to emphasize critical thinking. And I think that's an element of what you tried to describe, which is how can you take that knowledge and then apply it um, I guess really um, combining book smarts and street smarts is, is very important. And then I think the other thing that's a, a skill that can be gained as they're learning at, at your institutions is um, storytelling and, and connection. You hear a lot in the workplace about the power of storytelling um, and communication um, just because that's what's required these days um, within an organization and with customers. Um, somebody that can be compelling and really stand out and articulate what needs to be said. Awesome, thanks. Um, Cynthia? Something we saw when we looked at through the resumes, um, I've done the hiring for the last few years, is I see that people are getting better and better with the work experience that they have in addition to school. So they're having part-time jobs, they're doing things like that. They're having some good volunteer experience. I'm also seeing that they're engaging with their business clubs or case competitions. Those are all great, so please keep that up. Um, in terms of what I hear from supervisors that students lack, so Excel skills, specifically pivot tables and VLOOKUP, I hear this like every time. Um, they do get there, but sometimes it takes about a year, but their Excel skills are definitely, um, sometimes we'll see advanced Excel skills on their resume and then they'll actually start working and they're not advanced. <laughs> so they might be like Google Sheets advanced, but there's, there's a little bit, there's, Excel is such a powerful tool, it can do so many things. Problem solving skills, um, so posting a journal entry or pulling a report and not not understanding how to use a help menu, or you know, you couldn't use Google or YouTube because there's lots of really handy references. So start um, being a problem solver yourself and look at the resources that you have first before asking the question. Um, not working with a sense of urgency and not really understanding, you know, month end, quarter end, year end deadlines, and um, you know, when you clock out at four o'clock and there's still a number of people who are still sitting there till six. Um, not really understanding that, that culture, not asking questions like, hey, why are people still you know, here? Like, maybe I should be here too. <laughs> um, important, yep. Uh, not having brevity in their communication. So lack of business writing skills, too fluffy. Emails are too direct. 
or do not consider their tone and audience. Um, I know that takes a while while you're in the workforce to kind of figure that out, but it is something when you're in industry, um, you're going to be dealing with, with people at all levels right away. They may not know that you're a CPA student. They may not know that you've been on the job for two days. So um, having that, you know, thinking even when you're writing something as simple as an email. Um, inability to perform a self-review. Um, so you may prepare financial statements or, uh, you know, simple reports you've been asked to, to write up on a standard of how it applies, uh, maybe how IFRS 16 is going to affect us. Um, but they don't know how to do cross-checks or tie into uh, research that might be out there. So, for example, um, not being aware of, like, the standard setters out there, uh, like um, ACSB, uh, IFRS standard setting boards, not really understanding the regulators and the framework that we have to work in within as accountants. Um, so that that's definitely, those are all opportunities. Yeah. Thanks, Cynthia. Selena, any final thoughts on that? Uh, these are all such good ones. I would say another one maybe uh, is just to really encourage them to self-reflect and take the time that they have in university to really dig into what do they want their career to be, what are their passions, if they could have any job in the world, what would it be? Uh, you can see you know, I've had you know discussions with many of you over the past few days, and um, just because you have a CPA doesn't mean all of our careers have been the same. I mean, I don't even use my accounting technical knowledge, but I still value my designation for the opportunities it set me up for in the future. So just really encourage them to, you know, use the time in university to reflect. Um, you know, this is when they are going to make a lot of decisions that ultimately will kind of dictate some of the other doors that will open. So um, just reminding them that uh, these years are really important for knowledge accumulation for sure, but they're also really important for your own personal development. And uh, I think all of us have a hand to play in that, whether you're an employer or a professor, um, you know, the student themselves, um, to try and dig deep and, and try and ask those hard questions of, um, you know, not only trying to get through the midterm and get that 90%, but what does it mean? Fundamentally, the 90% is just an indication of you being able to accumulate these skills that are going to serve you in other ways, right? Right, that dedication to not leave it to the last minute, the uh, self-review before you hand in the test, right? These are long-lasting, lifelong skills. So um, I think professors and uh, educators and, and academia has a role to play in pressing the pause button and saying, all right, we're at the end of the semester. What does this all mean? Like, you know, before you leave my classroom, I hope you have learned a few things along the way, but have also invested in, in your own personal development and, and where this will take you um, as you continue your academic and professional journey. So, Selena, Cynthia, Steve, Jeanette, thank you so much. Um, I've never seen a more articulate panel. Thank you very much. The Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre hopes you enjoyed this special episode recorded live at the Conference for Academics. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on how the CPA Education Foundation supports business education and students in the province, as well as the incubation of innovative ideas. Straight from the CPA's mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to 1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective 
and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cbaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the Heshi CBA Knowledge Centre and to learn how Alberta CBAs inspire success.